Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Evan, you grab that side, I'll grab this side, and we will stretch this dollar. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Excellent. Welcome to Money Savage Further. This is George Graubacher. Our guest today is Evan Knox. He is the founder and chief marketing officer of Caffeine Marketing. I'm excited to have you on. Evan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, um, I run a marketing agency in Atlanta called Caffeine Marketing. We help make marketing profitable for small companies that are doing less than $25 million a year in annual revenue. Um, I grew up here in Atlanta um, after I graduated high school. I lived overseas for a little bit um, and then eventually kind of circled back to the United States, went to Colorado, Charlotte, and back down to Atlanta. I'm married, got an eight-month-old. Um, I love helping small business owners. And in addition to my role at Caffeine, I'm also a partner and serve as the CMO of a few other companies, which is super fun. Um, but yeah, it's kind of all marketing and helping grow companies. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And I've been doing, we are recording this on on April the 3rd. So sort of we're, we're in the middle. Well, we're, we're in the in the coronavirus pandemic, I don't know if yeah, it's the we're beginning it, or sure. the middle or, 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 or the end, but I've been doing a lot of thoughts or thinking about, you know, once once we do come out of this, um, how can I help people to 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 have more cash on hand? And then it's a matter of mm. do I do I find a way to make more money? Do I live on less? And really wanted to talk to you today about how to potentially be making more money by developing a personal brand and really putting yourself in a position to to make more money. So I love that. So where do we get started? You're you're you're, you're just we can be talking to me and you say George, you know, here's if if you want to be developing a brand, here are the things you need to be thinking about. Yeah, totally. Um well I, first off, I'm all for saving money too. And the <laughs> the coronavirus um is definitely a um yeah, you know, interesting thing. We we were talking earlier, George. Like, there's def uh, aside from the public health thing. If you can separate that, like the concern for the public health and people that are friends and family, you know that all of that stuff and people getting sick, that's no bueno. Like, just n- no question. Um, but if you look at it just strictly, if you could just remove your empathy for a minute, <laughs> which you know we probably sure. shouldn't do that often. Sure. But um, yeah, if you look at it for just from our business perspective, there's definitely a uh, some positives and um, some negatives to it. And I think that in this season, and I'm, I'm going to get to the personal brand for sure. Um, but like I was on a call with a, you know, a couple of my business partners and where applicable, we were like, Hey, let's just cut, let's cut spending here, you know, and let, let's cut spending in um, pretty much every area that's not essential right now. Um, and also the other stuff that we want to do, there's a lot of marketing stuff that we've been wanting to do, but my partners hadn't had enough time to help me execute that. And so 
this is really an awesome opportunity to work on your marketing if you have that capital on hand. And that's the key. And if you don't have the capital on hand, hand, it's definitely not the opportunity. You just need to survive this season, which, you know, hopefully most of your listeners have been following along for long enough that um, they've got some cash on hand. But if they don't, uh, maybe not the best time to invest in your marketing. Right. So um, as we look at how to essentially brand yourself um, or brand your company or something like that, I think um, let's just start with the, per, uh, the random person out there who is not uh, a business owner or is not in a marketing seat. Um, I think that having a personal brand will ultimately help you be successful in your career. Uh, your personal brand is essentially how you make other people feel about you. And so that is both for professionalism, that's humility, that's self-awareness. There's both uh, online and offline branding. Um, you want to be a kind person. Uh, you want to make sure that you execute well and you're faithful with what people give you or your boss gives you or whatever. Um, and obviously you want your resume to look good. All that stuff will ultimately help you be successful. And, you know, establishing yourself as the subject matter expert will help you build your personal brand. But for those out there who are business owners, um, I would encourage you to think through that same lens. Uh, your brand is essentially how people feel about you. Often you can ask people uh, what, you know, if it's your personal brand, what's it like to be on the other side of me? That's a great question. But yeah. when you think about your business, um, you can ask people, hey, what do you think about our business? Like, what is it, what comes to mind? You can ask existing customers, hey, what's it like working with us? And if there's a disconnect between what you want people to perceive you as and what they actually perceive you as, that that means that you have work to do on your brand, either in your customer service, uh, online. You know, a lot of businesses that we work with or that come to us, but you know, before working with us, they have a website that's just awful. Um, it's got awful messaging. It's got awful design on it, and it really undercuts their authority as the expert who can help uh, their customers win the day. And so. If they go onto the website and they feel like, oh, I don't know, your website's kind of tacky, it's very early 2000s, um, you're ultimately going to lose business. So that would be how I would think about um, branding both for a business and for a person. <laughs> and Georgia, I'll answer uh, one more here. Um, if we're thinking about marketing, I think it's really helpful to just have a very common, simple definition of marketing. And marketing is really the process that we walk people through in order to accomplish whatever conversion that we want them to accomplish. Um, that conversion, you know, is a sale. That conversion is signing up for something. That conversion is buying something, whichever. And the three parts of marketing are brand awareness, consideration, and conversion. And so conversion being that last point that we really want, that's signing up for a PDF or also, you know, buying your product or signing the contract, whatever, that's the conversion, that's the bottom of the funnel. But the top of the funnel, there's that brand awareness. And brand awareness is essentially the moment that somebody becomes aware of your brand. And then the middle part is consideration, which is that point where people are aware of you, but they're not quite sure if they want to work with you or not. Got it. I think that's, 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 it's a great way to think about that and, and, and easily broken down. So as as you're talking about this difference between online and offline branding, I I it's kind of a it's I, I felt kind of silly that I didn't really think about that how we're showing up in the world every day really does become our brand. You know, oftentimes I, yeah. when I think when people are talking about personal branding, it's like how I'm showing up on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. But it's more it's a simple function of yes, I do a great job. I show up when I tell people I'm going to show up, and that really is my personal brand. Yeah, totally. It reminds me, there was this, um, you know, we have people apply to work for caffeine. 
uh, you know, fairly, fairly frequently. And we have a lot of intern applicants. And so those are always interesting. Um, and sometimes they just follow up a lot, which as a sales guy, I can respect, Hey, you know, you're following up two or three times. I appreciate that. Anything past that's annoying. So that doesn't help your personal <laughs> brand. Uh, but I, it's so funny is there's one guy who was like, Evan, just give me a shot, you know, give me please, you know? And I'm like, well, all right, you know, that's whatever I was up on the phone. And then he's, he just misses the call. Like just misses nice. it. And then, you know, uh, <laughs> sends me a text 20 minutes later. Oh, hey, hey man. Uh, you know, I think I said something like after 15 minutes, I said, Hey man, sorry, we couldn't make it work. Uh, wish you all the best. And he goes, Oh, Hey man, I'm free the rest of the day. If you want to give me a call. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like <laughs> you're applying for a job and you missed the interview. Like this is crazy anyway. So that did not help his personal brand. No, certainly not. And that's, that's, that's really not, that's, that's not uncommon. I think that probably everybody's listening has, has experienced that in some form or function. So, so I appreciate that. When you ask that question, what's it like to be on the other, the, the other side of me? Um, what's it like working with us? That seems like a pretty important question for a business or, or an individual uh, to be able to answer. But how common do you find that, that, that people will do that on their own or do they need a little bit of nudging by you? <laughs> so there's this uh, personality tool out there. It's called the Enneagram. Uh, some people think that it's a bunch of garbage. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle um, between thinking it's, oh, it's pretty good um, and it's garbage. But basically there's these nine points and you're generally one version of the nine points on this Enneagram personality type. It's just like a disc profile or something like that. But uh, mine's the Enneagram eight and the eight is called the challenger. So I, I hardly <laughs> ever struggle to like tell somebody, you know, something that's on my mind. So I don't personally have a problem with being like, hey, by the way, like what you're saying or wh whatever is not coming across the way that you want it to or you know, whatever that may be. I, I think ultimately there's a process to self-awareness. There's the um, kind of the three phases. So like when I'm you know, trying to teach people this is like the first phase that you know you are starting to have any sort of there's obviously there's no self-awareness. You're not even thinking about what people think about you. You're not open to feedback, whatever. That's stage one. Stage two, and obviously we're not really concerned with stage one. So, you know, let's move past that. Yeah. Stage two is in retrospect. So this is thinking about past moments that have happened to your clients, your customers, the people you work with, your boss, your employees, the people you lead, whatever, and thinking, you know, this is like the day later. You like wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, dang it, I should have not sent that email. And I do that still. I do, <laughs> my team members... There's many times where I will email them and be like, I'm so sorry. Like, I just totally stepped on your toes on this project and you were running with that and I should have not gotten involved, whatever. So that's the in the mirror type of self-awareness. And then there's the right after it happens. So the stage three of self-awareness is, so stage one, not even trying. Stage two is looking in the mirror. Stage three is the looking um, right after it happens. So let's say we were talking and I said something and I realized that, you know, your facial cues, while they might be misleading, um, if you've ever read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking to Strangers, uh, uh, often facial, facial cues are not as accurate as we think they are. But if you read someone's facial cues and you think, oh, that didn't go over so well or whichever, and 
you're it's almost real time. It's not quite real time, but it's almost real time. It's right after the fact. That's stage three. You're thinking, all right, how did that person feel? Oh man, they look they look kind of upset, or man, they were really excited about that, or whatever. That's the stage three, and then finally, stage four is real time. So as I'm thinking, as you know, as I'm doing something, I'm trying to think about what's this person on the other side of me going to feel, both for my clients and uh, also for the people that work with me, and hopefully for my family, because that's probably where it matters most. Got it. So I think that that's probably a great framework for really if one were listening and saying, okay, what what really is my personal brand to really dive into your self-awareness and understand how how you are, how people are responding, how you are impacting those around you. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And I think for companies, a great framework might, you know, that you could try to apply that as well to your clients or customers or whichever. But a great question that I heard asked one time was what expectations did you have that you didn't feel like were being met or what did you expect to be a part of this? So when people buy your product or service, you could interview them afterwards and say, and you have to be really courageous to do this, honestly, and say, Hey, help me understand what you didn't like about this product or service or what could have we done better about this? And often that's even hard for me to ask. And because it's scary. It's like, oh my gosh, maybe they'll cancel the contract or whatever. And sometimes you don't find it out till later. But I'd rather know the negative feedback now so that I can mitigate that and ultimately keep them as a client longer. Yeah, probably theoretically speaking, if you were in some kind of a some kind of a meeting with the other party, real t- like during that meeting, you would probably want to ask them at the end, hey, what, what, what expectations did you have that I didn't meet? And that's that that's even more challenging. So, but. To your point, you would rather know that so that, you know, you, you are not dropping the ball anywhere. Yep. hundred percent. All right. So I think that this is all, this is all excellent. Um, really figuring out h- how it is that you're interested in showing up and being perceived, understanding what your impact, what, 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 what kind of wake you have as, as, as you're going through your daily life. So I think that that's probably great sort of um foundational work from there how 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 do you counsel or coach businesses to then um or people who are are maybe selling a product online or they developed a course something like that to begin marketing so if you really understand the framework that we talked about earlier with the brand awareness consideration and conversion you can then decide what tools or systems and processes you want to put in place in order to move people through that marketing funnel. The people who are not going to be successful at marketing, especially in the long term, is are the ones who don't understand that framework and or they just overlook it and they want to try the right tools. They're always looking online, they're trying to figure out <clears throat> and honestly, entrepreneurs are we're the worst culprit to this because sometimes we'll you know, entrepreneurs just throw things on the wall hoping something sticks. And that is never a great way to be successful in the long term. But if you can understand brand awareness, consideration, conversion, you can then use that as a framework to decide what tools that you need to put in place because then it no longer becomes a conversation of, oh, I heard Facebook ads are working really well right now or, oh, YouTube advertising or, um, hey, we need to be on social media. None none of that becomes the primary decision-making process. It is all secondary to that framework. And then ultimately that framework will help you decide Hey, do we have adequate uh, advertising campaigns in place that are making sure that people are aware of our company and they're aware of our website? And 
if you're doing that and you're communicating your message very clearly, then ultimately you're going to have enough people in the queue of the brand awareness thing. But you may not have any ways to follow up with customers who are not quite ready to work with you, but are curious about your product. And a great way to do that is to have some sort of like lead generating PDF on your website. So if you if you go to caffeine marketing, um, caffeine dot marketing, we have one on our website. It's basically five ways to build a winning sales funnel. And so what that'll do, you know, is people will fill out that, uh, you know, their name and their email, and then they will get that free PDF. That is a way for me now to follow up with people who are not quite ready to work with caffeine marketing, but are interested in marketing services. So now I can then email these people for the next coming months until they're ready to work with caffeine. And then ultimately that's going to move them towards the point of conversion, which is them signing a contract or deciding to work with caffeine in some form or fashion. Got it. I appreciate that. <clears throat> so getting people to the site is certainly, that's, that's no easy feat. But then once they're there, if you don't have some kind of a mechanism in place to find the folks who they are in that consideration phase, um, if you don't have anything there to grab them and their attention and email address to be able to follow up with, well, then they're just off to the next website. So is email still a, a, a powerful and effective way to stay in touch? I'd say absolutely. Um, it's very personal and people still check it. I think the day, I mean, there was, golly, when social media started becoming a thing, I feel like everybody was like, man, email's going away, email's dead. And it never really died. And if anything, I feel like the spam filters became stronger and emails that actually are helping people became more effective. So like if you're just sending spam, that's, you know, both technical spam, like legal spam, and then also stuff that just feels like spam. That's not technically spam, but it feels like spam. Uh, for all intents and purposes, that's not effective. However, if you're actually providing people value via an email, so if you signed up for the caffeine marketing email or, you know, for that PDF, you're going to get an email every single week called Monday's Americana. And it's going to be a lot of like business entrepreneurship tips, insights, news, etc. So people want to stay on that email list and they want to stay connected to caffeine marketing because they're getting that value every single Monday. And so I, I would say email is definitely not dead. But something that I would point out about the brand awareness part of advertising is that you have to know, and I, this surprises me, is that so many business owners and entrepreneurs do not know how much margin that they have in their product or how much they can afford to acquire a customer for. So for example, there's a jewelry store uh, that we're probably going to work with as soon as this whole Corona thing is um, maybe not done, but you know, there's more stability around it. And they had no idea how much each customer is worth to them. They know about on average that, you know, they've got 50 to 60% margin in their products, but they don't know how much an average customer spends over the course of a year or just over the course of their entire relationship with the customer. So ultimately they cannot make an intelligent decision around how much money they can afford to invest in marketing. At this point, they just go, Oh, I just, let's do $2,500 or let's do $25,000. That doesn't matter, honestly, because you're just throwing stuff on the wall and you have no actual metrics to determine what is a cost per acquisition that you can afford. And the same thing goes for the service industry. So, you know, if somebody out there is offering uh, accounting and they, you know, they know they have 50 percent uh, margin in their services between their fixed and variable cost. They know that anything below the 50% mark is going to be profitable if they acquire a customer. Say the customer, this is going to be super simple math, but say a customer is worth uh, $100. Okay, they've got $200 is what their service cost, and $100 is how much margin they have in it. That means that they can afford anything up to $100 as far as a cost per acquisition for a new customer. Got it. 
Yeah, I imagine that uh, I imagine that there are a lot of businesses out there that have not done that exercise and don't have a good understanding of that, and therefore it will be a hard time putting a marketing budget together in the first place. Yeah, and this is going to sound super harsh, but that's when a, <laughs> um, my partners and I, we look for those businesses who do not know what they're doing as far as marketing goes, and we try to acquire their companies because we know that this is literally a switch that we can turn on and then just you know dramatically scale the revenue of the company. I mean, one of them is in a... Uh, one of our current holdings is a window film company. So like they sell f- or we sell film that goes on windows that makes it look like stained glass or fogged or whatever. Um, but the thing is, is like the marketing that they were doing was just throwing stuff all over the place and they actually had no systems and processes to determine c- it, what's the return on investment for every dollar they spent marketing. So all of a sudden we, we tweak all the campaigns, we make them hyper optimized. And then once we do that, um, we can actually track from the beginning to the end how much every dollar we spend makes us. And so on average right now, it's like every $1 we're making is making us anywhere from three to $5 back. And so now it's just a, a machine that we put a dollar in and we get you know money back. And that's a pretty cool game that I like to play. I don't know about you though. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> I too would like a machine or several machines like that. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Evan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can they how can they learn about caffeine? So if you're a business owner or you're a CMO at a company and you want to make marketing profitable, all you need to do is to go to caffeine.marketing, no.com, just caffeine.marketing, and we'd love to help you. Or you could download that PDF that I talked about earlier. If you just want to connect with me around um, you know, anything else, finance, business, uh, marketing related, my wife and I paid off $100,000 in student loan debt in less than three years. So you can learn more about that and other stuff by going to evannox.com. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Evan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to caffeine.marketing as well as evannox.com. Thank you again, Evan. Thanks for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.